Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Monday, December 21st, 2015. This is the holy day season, holy day week. Our calling number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're here to join us for our pre-Christmas week. I guess it's actually Christmas week, but anyway, we're glad you're here. We're glad we're here. We're glad we have this opportunity to share these ancient Aramaic tools and to bring a state of uh, of wholeness and healing into the world as we know it, and especially with this holiday season where people are getting together and sometimes uh, not knowing what to do with their old unresolved disturbances and upsets, we've got the tools and we want to share them with you. And we're honored that you're here to uh, to share them with us. Jeannie, uh, is Dr. Tim with us? He is, and he's on. Well, let's say hello to the young man. Uh, we missed you the other day on Friday, and uh, I had... Um, wanted to share and I did share a little bit about the uh the link that you sent me or the information you sent me about uh listening to the onbeing.org December 3rd show and uh it was just like uh listening to a mind shifters radio show it was fabulous nice to hear the medical doctors and psychiatrists and such you are catching up with actually moving into the realm of healing instead of just practicing medicine and, and doing treatment. And it was interesting, I thought, to, uh, to hear from a medical doctor who had a life-threatening illness, that, uh, at least a sanity-threatening illness, that uh, left him with no hope from anything that he or his medical colleagues could do, and that he had to go on a search for healing and found it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was... Um... It was nice to hear that you were sharing that on Friday. I listened to the show um, after the fact. I was having another layer peeled back for me in the healing crisis of sinuses, and so I was at home resting. But I did Ouch. listen to the show over the weekend and um, was very glad to hear that you were sharing that because, as I said in my text to you, I think this will resonate a lot of joy for you that this is such a solid representation of the holistic approach, recognizing love, community, nutrition as, you know, your food as medicine, medicine as food, all of these wonderful things. And, and, uh, and forgiveness. And forgiveness. And I particularly yeah. liked the comment from Krista Tippett, who said, 
it's, isn't it kind of odd that we have to create a new category of medicine called functional medicine? You're <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, that, that is kind of odd, um, but it's also the truth. And so um, it was. It was also a wonderful tie-in at the end of the show where Sunny was talking about her, you know, toxicity poisoning, and have it be the right. same as you know Mark Hyman and, and what he went through. So, so it was uh, it was delightful to hear that you were sharing that. I'm glad you did, and uh, it was a very interesting show. I have to echo what you were saying at the end you know when I listen to Sonny these days I, I hear a whole different level of um, ownership of her issues and, and willingness to work on things so I applaud her for that um, yeah huge amount of work she's done now, obviously when you when you do compare to earlier conversations and it's really uh, heartwarming to uh, see what she's done yeah, and you know it, it 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 could be easy to get stuck in the denial factor because if you're denying that smoking cigarettes is going to have anything to do with your sinus problem, that's pretty heavy denial, but rather than focus on that, I just wanted to let her know I also hear as you said that she has done a lot of work and it comes out in her her willingness to call the show, her willingness to ask for mind shifters and her willingness to do the worksheets. So I support her in moving through that. Absolutely. So for anybody who is not familiar with the uh, the show we're talking about on NPR, they have a separate website, which is called, which is www.onbeing, as we talk about being, B-E-I-N-G, dot org. So if you go to onbeing.org, you can go for a free listen of uh, the December 3rd show in particular is just uh, – awesome because they're actually talking about healing and and really delineating the difference between the practice of medicine and healing. Uh, I think that anyone in the medical profession uh, with an MD behind their name who offers people treatment without offering them healing should be called down for malpractice because if they don't know, then they should know that a drug has never healed anything. I mean, you, you look at the the insanity of we have this toxic substance that if we put it into a healthy body, it'll make the healthy body sick. But if we put it into a sick body, it'll make the sick body well. I mean, that's what, you know, by and large, many people believe. And there's never been wellness come from taking a pill. It just doesn't happen. And to realize that Yes, you can save a life with a drug, no question. If you're in certain circumstances in a crisis, you can save a life. But that's not healing. That's saving a life. That's different. You know, that's like saying, well, you know, this car was careening down the highway, and when it went to flip, we magically turned the steering wheel the right way and hit the brake at the right time, and the car came to a safe stop. And now we have a new car. It's like, well, you know, hitting the brake at the right time, turning the wheel just the right way, saved the car from flipping and being totally destroyed. But it didn't improve the car one iota. <laughs> you know, you didn't have a new car when you were finished. <laughs> and, you know, if you're careening towards some sort of dis-ease process, taking a pill is like hitting the brake at the right time, turning the steering wheel just the right way that you're safe and you don't flip. But it doesn't do a thing to improve your car. Nothing, nothing, nothing. In fact, in every case, it deteriorates the body. Every drug is a disease disguised as a cure. Sure, doesn't mean there isn't a place for them. And it was, so it was good to hear them delineating the difference between that and this gentleman realizing because he was had his own you know, life-threatening disorder happening to, uh, to recognize that uh, medicine's not where it's at, folks. It's where treatment's at. It's not where healing's at. It's not healthcare. Got nothing to do with healthcare. You know, calling the utilization of drugs to treat diseases healthcare is like calling the way you get a new car is you make sure that if you're careening into and ready for a big accident and a rollover, you hit the brake the right way and you turn the steering wheel just right. It'll never get you a new car. Treatment 
through toxic substances will never get you a healed body. Can't happen. So it's just so it was pretty cool to hear these. This a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, a philanthropist, and uh, the interviewer are. Uh, I guess interviewess <laughs> that she was feminine, and she does a really nice job of it too. So pretty cool. Yeah, and, I have and been to, following. To, go ahead. I was just going to say to give her credit. I have been following her work for a lot of years now, and she used to have the show titled "On," um, not "On Being." Now it's "On Being." It used to be called "Speaking of Faith." And what they discovered mm. was it really wasn't an accurate description anymore because she was doing so many interviews with people from all different disciplines. So right. it, it's a wonderful show, and cool. uh, I would like to promote her because she's bringing awareness not just to actual health care, but also to concepts of humanity and connection and community and spirituality and it's a wonderful show yeah that is it is so december 3rd's archive give it a listen it's uh it's pretty awesome and uh i found a well i don't know if i could find it now i found a uh, podcast thing that'll go on my uh Android phone that made it easy to uh, to get the podcast and easy to listen to, and I don't have it open, so I don't have a clue where it is. So I'll apologize for bringing that up and not being able to answer it. But um, it was pretty easy to to get a hold of the information and and uh, and give a listen to it. And to, to take it the next step, and you know, if you go back through our archives, all the years we've been talking about health and healing and wholeness, and to recognize that, in truth, there is no such thing as a disease. What we have are simply states of the reflection of the mind energy that we hold. And and when you recognize, you know, if you go to the opening words in the book of John where they tell us, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. I mean, Really take that seriously. In the beginning was the word, or actually another proper way of translating it from the Aramaic would be the willed action. But your words, and, and what the cell biologists are showing us today, is you think a thought produces a molecule. Molecule circulates around your structure. It's called a neuropeptide. And finds a cell with a receptor site that matches, lands on the cell, and it becomes chemistry in the cell. So it, it here we have the non-physical becoming what we call physical. Now, we could go into a whole conversation about physical, but we'll leave that out at this point. You know, all physical is is a state of organized energy. But And, and if you listen to Max Planck, he gives us a really big key here. When he's receiving the Nobel Prize in physics, he says, as a man who spent his entire life studying matter, I can tell you this much, there is no matter as such. Our entire world is made of succeedingly smaller patterns of vibratory fields. Nested one within another, within another. How do you nest a vibratory field within your structure? Think a thought. That's all. And what happens is it becomes structure. Now, your energy field will not distinguish between structure that is what you want and structure that is what you'd rather not have. I.e., if you don't want certain cells in your structure falling prey to bacteria and viruses and falling apart and turning into cancer cells and you engage in the mind energy that so distorts your cells that they turn into cancer, cancel the thought, your body can't distinguish which is which. It just says, okay, that's the vibration you're going to engage in, then that's the creation that will give you. Cancer is not something that needs to be healed. Heart disease is not something that needs to be healed. We're, we do this pursuit. You know, you change the meaning of the words, Vladimir Lenin says, and you can destroy a culture. You can destroy the way we think. If you can't define words correctly, you can't think correctly about a particular topic. And so if we think there's something that needs to be healed, as though there's something wrong in the system then you're going to pursue a path, and it's not going to get you where you want to go. Recognize 
that a cancer cell, you know, the reason they can, you know, uh, identify this form of cancer or that or that or that or this is because every cancer cell of that type is the same. So they can identify it. They can say this is a this, this is a that kind of cancer. They're each perfect creations. They're each structures reflecting mind energy that has been engaged in and has become strong enough in its presence in the structure to reorganize the structure into, in that case, a cancer cell. So you don't need to heal cancer. If, you, if, if cancer's happening somewhere in your life or someone that you know, rather than counseling them on healing, you would do well to, to counsel them on how the creative process works and inform them how to go about removing the, the frequencies, the energies that don't belong. That's called forgiveness, by the way. And I have seen in one case, a verified case, where somebody over a period of a weekend healed a verified cancer. They say that's not possible. If it was physical last week, it's physical this week. Well, that's not true because it wasn't physical last week and it's not going to be physical next week. It's a perfect creation. And so the task is dual. If we want to undo a creation, we have to remove the frequencies that don't belong that produce that particular reflection or structure. And then the second part of it is, so first of all is what do you need to remove that doesn't belong that's produced this structure? And then what in order to produce that particular structure have you been depriving your structure of that it needs? For instance, the person who, you know, if we take the example that Tim just brought up and that we talked about on Friday, we've got a person who has a sinus problem and says, oh, smoking's got nothing to do with it. So what is it a person who's going to create something like, and, you know, hopefully this will be supportive if you're listening today, uh, Sonny, uh, what energy does one need to engage in to produce that structure within their bodies? And then once we put something in, mind energy, frequency in, that's going to produce structure that we call disease, disorder, out of place. The accompaniment of every energy that is out of place is your energy system has a warning signal that will tell you when the energy you're engaging in is out of place and will produce or create disease. It's called pain. It's called hostility. It's called fear. If you've got pain, hostility, or fear, you don't have pain, hostility, or fear because somebody else did something. You have pain, hostility, or fear because you've put an energy into your structure that doesn't belong there. So your system, your structure is warning you what you're doing. But when we don't want to feel that warning and we don't want to deal with the energy that we're putting in there, then we'll automatically draw ourselves to something, like in this case, uh, a, a fire stick that you light and suck into your lungs that has a very powerful drug called caffeine and about 500 other chemical substances. And when you put those 501 chemical substances into your structure, you weaken, you deteriorate the structure, you create more trauma and pain in the structure, which the tendency is then for someone to find something else to anesthetize themselves with. So, you know, you'll notice a lot of people, they sit down for a cigarette, they have their cup of coffee, Let's get that caffeine and that sugar in there, two very powerful drugs. So now we've got three drugs and 500 chemicals going into the structure. That puts a lot of information into the system, and that's one of the things that these uh, physicians are talking about with the, uh, the conversation we are talking about from uh, Krista Tippett's show on being. They're talking about food as information. And so 
if we put junk information in, then we lock down, we shut down the system in terms of its normal function. And when you start shutting down the system in terms of its normal function, it says, ouch. And what most people do when they get an ouch is, well, let me, you know, find another way to not deal with this and feel it. So uh, I'll tell you what, you know, I finished my coffee and my smoke. Now I'm going to go out and have a shot of scotch. Alcohol, another very powerful drug. And what the, the thing that most of us have been told about alcohol, you know, we've been told it's our right to drink it. And it's a fun thing. It's a social lubricant. Makes parties better. No, it anesthetizes and starts to shut the brain down so the brain doesn't have its normal inhibitors. So, yeah, one can be easier to, you know, get out there and rollick and frolic or rage because the first thing that goes when you cut oxygen off to the brain because alcohol coagulates or causes blood cells to stick together and that stops oxygen and nutrition flow to the brain. When the brain starts to die, it gets a little stupid. You know, you know, some person after their fifth scotch, they're not very smart. And uh, the brain is in such a state that it can't navigate itself. So, you know, it's easy for the cop to tell. Let's see you walk a straight line. Can't do it. Why? Because the brain is so poisoned that it can't put one foot in front of another and walk normally. Now, when you think about how bizarre it is that something that does thus to, that to us is something to use at a party when you want to have a good time. I mean, if you just think about that logically, it's, it's pretty bizarre. So let's see. I take something that causes blood cells to stick together so they can't flow through the capillaries and can't deliver oxygen actually throughout the whole body, but in particular to the brain, because the brain takes about 10 times the oxygen nutrition. So it can't do that. The brain starts to uh, lose its ability. It becomes impaired in function. You know, you talk about driving impaired. A person whose brain is cut off from oxygen nutrition due to alcohol cannot reason properly, doesn't make good decisions, can't walk straight, can't think straight. And the brain's beginning to die. That's why in the extreme, someone dies from alcohol poisoning. What's happened? Basically, there is so much alcohol in the system and the blood cells are so coagulated that the brain's totally cut off from oxygen. And that only lasts for about five minutes. And generally speaking, somebody's dead. But but it's our right to do it, and it's a way to have fun. And, and you know, if you, if you find that you can't drink enough, I was talking to someone the other day, and she was telling us that, you know, she had learned better, but that when she was in college, what she used to drink was vodka and Red Bull. This is a young woman in, in her probably, you know, mid-20s. Red Bull to act as a to artificially stimulate and shock the brain into action when alcohol is impairing the function of the brain. Now, as you're going into the holy day season, you might want to think about making your holy days. You know, they weren't holidays. They weren't for parties. It was for time to take to gather your wholeness together. If you're going to go to a family function and you have trepidation about, you know, how things might go, an impaired brain won't get you there, I promise. So it might be a good idea to just, you know, leave that stuff off. Let yourself be there fully conscious. It's it's pretty uh, bizarre when you sit and listen to two people who are, you know, as, as the culture calls it, three sheets to the wind, just how inane their conversations are. And, and the brain is so impaired they actually think they're having fun. <laughs> I mean... When you look at it without the filter of denial, it's it's so bizarre that we do that to ourselves. And the self-medication and the self-drugging is just, you know, part of the culture's game. So when someone takes something into the structure that doesn't belong, they will find a way to anesthetize their pain. And then the anesthetic will seem like something good. I remember working with a woman several years ago in South Florida. I had a private practice down there. There was a woman who uh, was Mrs. Housewife, and her husband was Mr. Businessman, and they did very well financially, and he worked, you know, probably 90 hours a week. He'd go home late every night, seven days a week. She'd have dinner ready. 
They'd have three or four drinks before dinner. They'd have a bottle of wine or two with dinner and have three or four drinks after dinner. They weren't alcoholics. At least that's what they said. But but that was their seven-day-a-week routine. When she started to do this work, she heard what I was saying about alcohol and she said, I'm going to quit and, and stop using alcohol. In a private session about five years later, she shared with me how she'd been to a party the night before and someone had offered her a drink of hard liquor. She was like, you know, I haven't had a drink in so long. Sure, I'll have one. And she said that when she put the glass to her lips and took a sip, she said the the alcohol no more than got past her lips and it felt like razor blades in her kidneys. Here's someone who, having taken away, removed some of the causes of pain, is now able to feel the effect of what most people call fun. And she could feel the effect because she'd done the work to remove what she'd been anesthetizing. And now, instead of feeling relief from pain, she was able to actually feel the effect of the alcohol in her structure. Now, everybody has that effect. Put alcohol to your lips, it's going to act like razor blades in your kidney. It's going to start to slice the kidneys up, quite, quite literally, because of the lack of oxygen. You know, the average person in this culture, by the time they reach the age of 60, experiences 40-plus percent reduction in kidney function. That's across the board, 350 Americans, pardon me, 350 million Americans, 40% across the board reduction in kidney function from a normal young person. I think this social lubricant being acceptable and desirable and everybody's right to do is one of the reasons why, because the damage is being done by that. And so when you think about Disease and healing, what you call diseases, there's an energy structure that I have built within me that I don't like having here. It doesn't support my aliveness. And so when I start looking at what do I need to refrain from engaging in, what do I need to stop putting into my structure that supports this particular manifestation, and what do I need to remove from my structure and then the third component is what do I need to give my structure that it's missing? Because the person who doesn't want to feel the pain of what they're engaging in, you know, let's say they've got rage at mom, rage at dad, rage at spouse, they don't want to feel the effect of that rage, so what do they do? They look at a normal, healthy meal and the energy of that meal is so vitalizing that they're not going to be able to hide what it is that they don't want to feel that they hold about mom. And so they avoid that which would hold them in a space of vitality where that pain can't be felt. So when one looks at a really highly vitalizing, nutritious meal, that vitalizing, nutritious meal is repulsive to them because it means it's going to strengthen me and I have to feel what's in here that I don't want to feel. And then they'll turn to some of the worst junk. I mean, you look at, I, I put a post, if you're not on our Facebook page, uh, send us a friend request. It's JM underscore RYCE. And look back about um, five or six days ago, and I put a post on about food that isn't food. And went through in detail some of the things that uh, you know that our culture calls food, and it's bizarre. You know, there's one one particular cereal that's out there that touts itself as a uh, a weight reduction cereal. And someone that I know was engaging in using this cereal for weight reduction following their program. And I was visiting them, and the box was sitting in the counter, so I, I read labels. And in this particular box of so-called weight reduction cereal, 
there were 18 different sugars, 18 different kinds of sweetener added to this cereal that's supposed to be about weight reduction. And the culture calls that, and the company touts it as nutritious food. Well, nutritious food is an oxymoron if you've got 18 sugars added to what you're doing, along with, you know, what other chemicals and blah, blah, blah. It's just it's bizarre. So you might want to just check out that post. I actually spent a fair bit of time going through and, and just making a list, a synopsis of some of those things. So when you're willing, if there's a so-called disease happening in your body, and you're willing to acknowledge this is something I've structured within me. I'm going to do the work required to remove the mind energy that set it up. I'm going to do the work required to discipline myself and remove the anesthetics, which, I mean, you can hardly walk into a food store today and find foods that aren't totally, completely laced with drugs. And so how many anesthetics, how many drugs have I taken in with this bite of food You'll stop doing that, and then you'll start looking toward what vitalizes, what strengthens, what empowers, what enlivens, and you'll be attracted to that. And here's what's going to happen. The structure of the dis-ease will collapse energetically and disappear. And I don't care what it is. There's nothing incurable. They're incurable people. No, I'm going to keep up with my hate. You know that person... Okay, you know, that's, your, that's your business, but hate builds structure. Fear builds structure. Grief builds structure. Resentment builds structure. And if your structure's hurting, it's because those energies are what you've engaged in. And you've got to be willing to face that, process it out, and remove it. And what will happen is your so-called disease structures will disappear. And then as you vitalize and give your structure what it needs, the state of health will be strengthened. And, you know, if you think about it as a continuum, if you think about it as a continuum, if you're walking toward disease and death, and, you know, if you're 48 hours from death and in 24 hours you're 24 hours and 12 hours and 10 hours and two hours at any point, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Maybe you're 30 years from death. If you're walking toward it, if you're putting in things that will end up creating dis-ease structures, then you're walking toward death. Anytime you want, you can turn around and go the other way. You know, the doctor can say, well, this person probably isn't going to last five minutes now and be an expert and really be accurate. But that person who chooses to change the energies they're engaging in can make the five minutes six. Instead of going from five to four to three to two to one and dying, they can go from five to seven to eight to ten to twenty to fifty to two hours to ten hours to ten days to ten years to as long as they choose. What do we engage in? Death is not a requirement. And so one of the prescriptions that I have today for everybody is I would like to prescribe absolute intolerance to everyone on the show. I'd like each of you, I'd like to invite you to engage in and practice intolerance. And the intolerance I invite you to engage in is intolerance for any thought or word that comes goes through your mind or comes out of your mouth that is based in any form of hostility or fear. Stop any tolerance for anything like that. Discipline yourself. If those energies come up, forgive them. And choose to speak only words that come from a connected space of love. If you want health, that's one of the most powerful things you will ever do to create health. Now, I, I promise you, when you first hear that, and if that makes sense to you, if it doesn't, Hang out with us for a while. You'll build the brain cells. It'll make sense. But if it makes sense to you, and, and everybody who it makes sense to goes, okay, I'm on it. And they mean it, and they want to go there, but the next time somebody gives them the look, because they haven't removed or forgiven 
the root of their hostility or fear, they'll go right back to the old pattern. And the process is that of undoing or forgiving what doesn't belong until only those energies and those structures that do belong within your life are there. And that's where we're here to support you. And so I support you as you think about, you know, going to the family, you know, party or the dinner or gathering, whatever it is, to be intolerant for any form of hostility or fear passing through your field to anyone in the room. Because if any form of hostility or fear simply is allowed inside of you to be used to build perceptions in you about someone you're about to visit, if that perception is out of hostility or fear, then you will be energetically, literally, spraying the poisons of hostility or fear on them. And they're probably not going to respond very well. When you energetically take responsibility for structures based in hostility or fear toward them in you, when you become intolerant of that and you engage in forgiving that, then you'll start to build structure in you based in love around them. And at that moment, you'll shift the energy you're spraying on them, and the energy will shift from that of hostility and fear to love. And they're going to change. Because when you stop spraying the acid of hostility or fear on someone and you start spraying love on them, they change. They definitely become a lot more cooperative. So intolerance is the practice. Intolerance for any form of hostility or fear passing through your field in your thoughts, your words, or your actions. And watch how your Christmas season improves. Watch how you'll be setting yourself up to have the absolute best year yet of your eternal life with this new year coming up. And so that's what we're here to support you in. Of course, that's what we're, we are here to learn for ourselves. And we are here to pass on everything that we uncover, come to understand and know and support you in being able to do it. So you can carry on with what's busy in your life, what's keeping you occupied. And we'll keep understanding these tools and passing them along to you and supporting you in doing that. And Jeannie tells me she's got some hands up. So, sweetie, let's say hello. Okay, first of all, there was a, a person who had sent me an email uh, Friday morning, and I didn't get into my email until Friday night, so I didn't see it. And they had asked a question to be addressed on the show. And it was, uh, you had mentioned the holidays and being with family. And they wanted you to explain more how you can stay in their presence of the family members, especially parents, uh, during the holidays and, and get along and, and what was the... Uh, special attitude that you had mentioned that you had to hold in the presence of your parents. And I believe what they're talking about is where you talk about honoring your Rockland. father and your mother. Right. So if okay, you could cool. um, address. Yeah. Perfect. Great question. Great question for this, this time of year. If you go back to the Aramaic, we're told in the by the Greeks that Yeshua said, love your neighbor. And in Aramaic, he doesn't say love your neighbor. What he says is have rachma for your neighbor, and your neighbor is anybody that you think about. And it's a filter in the frontal lobes of the brain that's key to love, that keeps you in touch with love. It's a practice, one you have to build brain cells for, and keeps your perception on track with love. So that's rachma. And then, so we, so that's what, Yeshua says, is a condition you want to hold for anybody on the planet. That is, in, the, in Aramaic, neighbor means anybody that you think about. It's a mental word. If anybody's mentally near to you, they are your neighbor. No matter whether you've ever met them or ever will meet them. You think about, you know, the peasant in the field in Russia, and they're your neighbor. And if you keep Rachma active, you'll be sane in the presence of whoever that neighbor is because you have the gateway to human life open in you and you stay in touch with your beingness. As Krista Tippett show is on being. Then there is a different action that's required, according to Yeshua, or according to the ancient scriptures. This isn't so much Yeshua, but actually comes out of the Old Testament where we're told it says, honor thy father and thy mother. And, and it's perfect to bring that up at this point because it's exactly what we've been talking about with, with what goes into your structure. And you'll notice when you hear that phrase, which you know many people just go into revulsion at that because 
there was such abuse from a parent. Why would I ever honor them? They were never honorable. They did. Now, notice that somebody who's in that is building a structure of disease within themselves. Got nothing to do with their parents. And if you understand this word honor, and again, Vladimir Lenin says, change the meaning of the words, you can destroy a culture. If you can't fathom the word honor, and you've got a parent that wasn't very nice, then probably you might be a little irritated at that suggestion. It might bring some irritation up in you. But if you listen, and it ties right into our earlier conversation, what it says is if you will do this, and we'll get into what the word honor means, if you will do this, then your days will be long upon the earth. It's a pretty powerful promise. In other words, if you go into hostility and fear in the presence of your parents, you will be building a structure of disease and you will die. All death I would offer is suicide. If you can't honor your parents, then you are creating diseases out of your relationship with your parents. And your days aren't going to be very long upon the earth. I mean, they knew exactly how this worked. This wasn't theology. This wasn't about being a nice guy. This was about maintaining your human life. So in Aramaic, the word honor includes the activity of rachma, that filter in the frontal lobes of the brain, that keeps you in touch with your human life and only allows the presence of love into your physiology. And that, now, now you'll notice for everybody in the world, that's the end of the, the, the requirement. That's all you have to do. Maintain that. But with parents, it's a new standard. Honor is bring rachma or bring love into expression or activity toward them. Well, why, if I did that, would my days get longer upon the earth? Because if you've been living in hostility or fear, one of the things your cellular structure is missing is the presence of love, literally, in the cell. And when you remove the presence of love from a cell, the cell goes out and it goes into a disease condition. That's just the way it works. So honor is that I choose to maintain a space of love for them. That doesn't mean I have to approve of them. It doesn't mean I condone what they did. It doesn't mean I don't hold them accountable. You know, if a parent did something that was illegal, honoring them might include lovingly holding them legally accountable for that. It might mean picking up the phone and calling the police. But to do the behavior and be counseled in doing the behavior from the condition of love in your physiology maintains your wellness and your well-being. If you give that up, then you simply reinforce the disease process that you interacted with or came up with in interacting with them. So that would be my input on honoring. So if I'm going to go and be with parents that I still have some pain toward, I want to get to work on throwing out my pain. I want to remove that which is turning into structure that causes pain in me. And as I remove that, then stay connected to the active presence of love and I bring that love forward into behavior toward them. And what happens is when I do that, that presence of love goes through my cellular structure. In their presence, my diseases that relate to them resonate. If I can stay connected to love and love is passing through me toward them, then my diseases heal in the presence of my love. And my days get longer on the earth, just simple physiology. So I hope that addresses the question. And if not, if uh, if whoever wrote the email is listening, then we'd be happy to have you write back and ask more refinements on it. Awesome. Okay, and we do have two callers. The first Great. one. Say hello. Yeah, the first one is area code eight two eight. Is this Jason? It is Jason. Hi, Jeannie. How Hi. are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, glad to hear your um, voice, sir. How do you be? Uh, I be amazing. 
Um, it's, it's raining, so the outdoor construction is at a halt for today, so I have an abundance of time to do other things. Um, and um, don't have much time here, so I'm going to keep this short. Um, as far as the issue that I called in with uh, last time, meeting with my brother-in-law's ex-wife, um, right. I went ahead with the meeting, and it was absolutely awesome. Um, uh, we went to a restaurant, and um, there was no sexual tension. We had talked about that on the phone before. And right. um, I was surprised that um, in the midst of her many projections on me of men from her past, I felt uh, obligated and said, well, if the shoe fits, wear it. And I said, I have many of the issues that you're talking about, and I've been working on healing them. And she was kind of, uh, didn't know what to say. She's not used to people being that honest. And that really opened up everything else after that. Um, Awesome. Yeah. So... I have some some pending worksheets to do around those things, but um, things that I have been working on. Um, And then, um, so we, she asked some advice on different things over the weekend, and yesterday was having a conflict with her oldest son around doing dishes, and she told me about the approaches that she had taken, and had a therapist to make charts and rules and all these things. And I said, well, you remember the tools that we went over with uh, Friday night? She said, yeah. And I said, well, um, responsibility communication is, is one thing, but you guys both know how to do the work it out worksheet. Um, I use that one because of its simple form. And... Um, so she and her son um, read the uh, my commitment and started engaging in the tools. And um, as far as I know, um, things re- went really well. And now she has asked me to gather all the family, my sister and her husband and all the children, and to facilitate a meeting. Uh, sharing the tools, and she also wants me to share them with her parents. So, you know, Sweet. a little leavening is a little leavening is going a long way. That's fabulous! Congratulations. Well, congratulations to you and Yeshua and all of the team as well. So, um, yay! Absolutely. Um. Sounds, so sounds beyond like we have a that, new teacher on the team. <laughs> um, I have been feeling that uh, most of my life has been building up to that. Um, nice. Pe- people seem to respond to me very well. And um, yesterday I went to, it was my second Sunday, to go to a Mississippi Deep South Southern Baptist Church down the road where my sister goes and um, had a brief conversation with the pastor afterward and um, um, his message resonated well with me even though he teaches from the Greek. His heart is really in a good spot and he's into nice. empower. he's into empowering and inspiring people which is what it's all about. Um, so, as the universe would have it, after service yesterday, um, he walked immediately back to the pew behind where I was sitting and stood there until I was done greeting my neighbors and was obviously um, felt drawn to, to speak to me. 
And um, so I'm going to have a meeting with him after church this coming Sunday. And nice. the sermon was about was about people answering their calling and um, uh, overcoming circumstance and um, any sort of inability that we might feel we have. So I'm seeing this as a an opening to possibly bring these tools um, to the congregation. Um, and I'm working on not trying to figure it all out before I do, just being open to it. So if you guys could hold the space for me there, I think that would be uh, a great opportunity to, to bring the Aramaic to to a group of people that follow the Greek currently. So I'm, I'm happy That'd about awesome. that. That's great. One of my yeah. thoughts would be that uh, you might even, if you have a chance, email to him a link to the PowerPoint presentation on the site that, and invite him to watch it, and, and that would give him you know, a start for some brain cells in that direction. It sounds like you're working with somebody that's pretty, uh, pretty powerfully out there. There are some amazing preachers and priests and rabbis that I've met over the years that are just awesome at really, truly doing their own work and supporting other people in doing theirs. So that's, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty cool. Yes, it is. Um, and, and certainly if questions arise, if questions arise and you're meeting with them, we're here to answer them and, you know, that's uh, that's our whole reason for being here. So we'll be of any kind of support that uh, that we can possibly be. Yeah, uh, I I certainly thank you. Um, and I, I wanted to share um, uh, something else that I find inspiring. Um, a friend of mine, she's actually um, an ex-girlfriend of mine, and we're very very close friends. Uh, her father had hepatitis for decades. He got it from a blood transfusion at the VA in the 80s. And he's now been um, hepatitis-free for a few months, but of course he has cirrhosis. And um, uh, they found a tumor in his liver. So Kelly and I have been teaming up to do um, energetic work and um, come up with an herbal remedy, uh, herbal medicine, and food medicine regimen for him. And he's amazingly responsive, which is not his previous uh, way of being. Um, and I was wondering if you had ever heard of Reconnective Healing, um, Dr. Eric Pearl. I have heard of it. Uh, Jason, but I'm really not familiar with it. Okay. But I have heard well, from people that I know and respect that it's pretty powerful. It is. Um, and I had previously only used it on my dog, um, and he responded really well. So I chose to do a remote healing session with her father, and I pretty much just visualized him and prayed him with love and invited the creator to bridge the gap of time and space between the two of us and sat with him and held his face and ended the session and have done it a few times and his attitude has taken a 180. He's been quite resistant in the past and now he is showing appreciation to his family and apologizing when he loses his temper and his um, eager for any food and nutrition and herbal help that his daughter is willing to give to him. So I just wanted to put that on your radar. Um, completely hands-off approach. He didn't even know what was happening. Cool. Powerful. Yeah. yeah. Time and space don't mean anything when it comes to energy. 
that's the that's the power of of bringing that state of rockman in and holding to that space and you know what we're looking to do with this work when Yeshua says a little leavening leavens a whole loaf I think we are pretty much assured that he wasn't talking about bread he was talking about humanity and then it's only going to take a small number of people because the fact is we're all connected we're all linked in one energetic system and enough people who bring that active presence of love forward in their own physiology helps to create a uh, an energetic field that when it becomes strong enough will simply impact everyone on the planet so so nice work that's fabulous yeah it, it may even one day become considered to be science who knows yeah there you go <laughs> it's a lot more scientific than than most so-called scientific medicine <laughs> yes it is yeah very so, good so um, well you have a go ahead I was going to cut it off there. Complete? I'm complete. Yes. All right, sir. Well, blessings and have wondrous holy days if we don't hear from you before Christmas, which we'd be delighted All right. With. All right, sir. Excellent. Blessings. Lots of love. Blessings. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, our next caller, I think, is Mr. Rex. 517, you're on the air. Hello Mr. there. Rex, are you hey. with us? We're down to about it two is, and a half Rex. minutes. Welcome. Awesome. Um, Good to hear your yes, voice. Yes, I'm here. Happy uh, holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all that good stuff. Um, I wanted to extend that for sure to everyone. Uh, and also, the conversation you're having about substances and so on and so forth, I had encouraged a couple people to call in in a family that was having some challenges with the family dynamic and stresses and things going on. And um, as I was listening to your conversation, it, the idea that they don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't use any kind of pharmaceuticals, but yet they still have um, what I would call tendencies towards uh, using substances that they make in their body. And I thought it might be a, a, a healthy segue to go from, you know, there's a lot of us that don't drink and don't smoke and don't use any kind of medicines but still have a tendency to move in the area of those inner substances that we manufacture ourselves, fear, hostility, you know, and many other things. So um, I thought it would be helpful to see how the dynamic or to talk about the dynamic that gets resonated from the family traditions, generational and and the traditions that are established once we're, you know, alive in a body, um, and how that plays itself out with a collective expression um, with more than just uh, our immediate family when we go out into the world during this time because it's resonating in a lot of people, not necessarily as, yes. you know, like it would normally be. So those were the things that I thought might be really helpful to, to listen and, and share about. I unfortunately will not be able to participate in the program tomorrow, um, but I may be able to on Wednesday. But I wanted to put that out and also make okay, sure that cool. if I'm unable to, to extend my love and my gratitude for everyone in our community and, the, and the, just the wonderful work that everyone's doing. And I do my best to hold people in the space of love every single day, and I'm pretty good about that, and I'll continue to do so. And it's just exciting awesome. to see we're all moving in the direction of love. Great. Are, are you doing that, Rex, on your married days too? What did I say? You said every single day. I was just wondering if you're doing it on your married days too. I, I, I thought maybe you caught from my regular story speech or something. Oh, I love your humor, Mike. Nah, just I, I just being a wise guy. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Yes, I do it on my married days as well, which happens yeah, to be good. my uh, life partner commitment. Yes, of course. But my blessing right, to everyone. And, uh, I will tune in if you do uh, bring it up tomorrow, but I would love to hear more about it on Wednesday if I'm able to participate then as well. Cool. Cool. Well, I'll just Thank throw out, so we're much. down to about a minute or so. All right. Thanks, Rex. We're down to a minute you or so, bet. so I'll just throw out, based on your conversation, just the, uh, the the video to watch, if you've got our videos, would be empowered to heal. And one of the things we talk about there is that what I hold in me that forms my perception, if it's based in love, then as I walk through the world, I'm literally a walking energy field of healing that I pray love, I resonate love in everyone that I touch, which strengthens the love in everyone that I touch. 
if I walk through the world in disease, in hostility or fear, then I become a walking energy field that tends to resonate in others if it's there, hostility and fear, and so I become a walking disease field. If you want to be empowered to heal, then you forgive your capacity for hostility or fear. You live as the active presence of love, and you bring that energy everywhere you go, and it sprays on everyone you touch, and you become a walking healer. We love it when people do walk-by and drive-by healings, and we're here to support you in doing it. Have wondrous, happy, holy days. And the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.